Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Good afternoon and welcome to Cleveland Browns Daily Live from the site of Cleveland Browns Training Camp 2022 here at the fields of the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. And today it appears as though the weather will cooperate with us and we may be able to see some football action out in front of us. We can't got you covered on that all day long. Nathan Zagura alongside Jason Gibbs and young Connor, who's already looking forward to the home opener. But we are just 15 days away from the Browns' preseason opener against the Jaguars in Jacksonville. That will be on Friday, August the 12th. And then 45 days away, I am told, from the season opener in Carolina against the Carolina Panthers. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs with you as it has been all week long. And Gibbe, yesterday a day for the Browns where they were forced to move inside due to the rain. But it really was a walkthrough, no helmets. They were going at a quarter speed. In this acclimation period, as they continue to ramp up, we'll see more today. I think it'll build to kind of a crescendo day four, the first day open to the fans here this Saturday at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus for Browns Training Camp. We'll see kind of the closest thing, I think, resembling a real practice, then a day off, and then it is full go after that, and we'll see pads early next week. Let's go. It's a beautiful day. It's actually a little warm. I it's it was it's gonna, humid. I thought it was going to be a little cooler today, and I definitely did not bring the sunscreen. Poor, well, poor choices. Kevin Stefanski knew what the weather would be. He said that's the first thing he does every day when he when he checks uh, gets up and checks the news. He's more interested in the weather than the Deshaun Watson situation, and still no news on that. We're still waiting as we watch our incredible grounds crew moving things around. They've got the fields looking beautiful right now, but – Yesterday, there wasn't much to take away from it. The one thing that people are excited about is that you saw Deshaun Watson with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, something I talked about during the OTAs and minicamp, and that we're going to have more of that RPO game, the ability to do some read option type offense out of this, take advantage of the misdirection and the mismatches you can get with Watson, Hunt, and Chubb all as threats to carry the football. So that's something that we saw there, um, and, and that was good. We heard from head coach Kevin Stefanski that Jack Conklin would see the field here in training camp. And earlier today, while the media availability was going on, we were able to see him putting in a little bit of a workout on the side. And, boy, he looked good. Moving fast, moving quick, uh, good. The, the knee was looking like it was holding up perfectly. Yeah, he looked good, and I think that's a very good sign. You want good signs. It's number one. It's that Jack Conklin is certainly well ahead of schedule and looks like he is on the road to be back sooner rather than later for Denzel Ward and David Bell. Neither of them with those foot injuries that have landed them on the pup list. Neither of them in boots. They're all in sneakers. In fact, I talked to, to both of them today uh, in the cafe, and both said that they are doing well and can't wait to get back out there. So I think that will be coming uh, shortly. Again, not a whole lot to take away from yesterday in yeah. the sense that not a lot happened. But what I will tell you is the vibe, and you're going to hear John Johnson was at the podium earlier today. He talked about it. Just the vibe around this team right now is so good. And these guys, are really the continuity on defense, they like being around each other. It is a positive vibe. They know that there is great things that can be accomplished for this football team. And, and still there's the one big question out there. And I know everybody, even the, I'll tell you what, the biggest L's possible in this building 
they all do. Everybody wants just the answer, whatever it's going to be, so that we can move on uh, and get going. But I thought there was a lot of good stuff. And then, you know, also we had Amari Cooper speak with the media today as well, and he dubbed Deshaun Watson the magician. He said he's a magician. He can just make plays. He makes plays. He makes throws. And the magician, I've already seen some people on Twitter, they're writing now magician with a four the number four in place of the first A, I like that. Well done out there, those of you who, who put that together. And I know Sean Watson liked the tweet with that in it. So perhaps the magician is something that could uh, could stick around here for the Browns' new quarterback. Gibbe, any takeaways from you? Because I look in here, and we're pretty loaded up today. We've got Kevin Stefanski live at 1.30, his press conference. Uh, 1.45, I go one-on-one with Anthony Schwartz, an exclusive interview here on Cleveland Browns Daily. At 2 o'clock, we've got Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis joining the show live via the phone, promoting his 564-page Sharp Football Analysis football preview, which you can get today, by the way, at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Follow him on Twitter at sharpfootball. That's at 2 o'clock. And then hopefully we're seeing some practice there. So I don't know if we're going to get into the sound from Cooper uh, and Joel Batonio. And we've got also today was John Johnson. But it just was positive, very upbeat. It should be this time of year. Let's all go ahead and say that it should be. Um, but, you know, bet Joel Batonio has been here longer than anybody with this organization. John Johnson's come from a team that has gone to the Super Bowl, and now a lot of his teammates went on and won the Super Bowl last year uh, with the Rams. And then Amari Cooper is a new member of the Browns. And, and so I thought it was a good kind of mix of guys there. And, and I thought, again, just overwhelmingly positive, again, as it should be this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's this is the week you want to talk to guys. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody's good. Before the uh, before the doldrums uh, of training camp start wearing on you here a little bit. But, you know, the, you mentioned it yesterday. We talked about it all week. It's an acclimation period. Things really don't get going until the weekend. And then really from there it starts taking off as we get ready for Jacksonville, which will be uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow, so, exactly, 15 days. So there's not a ton of time. No. I mean, it's not that, like there's, there, we're there's just a sitting lot of here, work to do. We're sitting here flush with time. There's a lot of work to do to get ready for that game, and the Browns, who will open their preseason slate exactly where they did a year ago, certainly are hoping that this season goes down a completely different path, and some of that will be dictated, obviously, by the ruling from Judge Sue Robinson, and some of it, oh, and a lot of it, most of it, I should say, will be dictated by the work that is done out here on this field over the course of those next two weeks. And we will see more today. I expect the Browns to be in their helmets today. I think it'll be kind of, you know, putting some putting the paces through a little bit, some jogs, et cetera. But we're not going to see that full-speed football, I don't think, really until this weekend, although maybe we'll get closer to it. And, and that'll be the goal here to every day do a little bit more and get things going. 2.30, Ian Rappaport will join us. He is here. From Ian NFL. Rappaport is here from NFL Network and NFL.com. And, and listen – He's been as plugged in as anybody to the situation, which is to say, as the great Chris Cola goes by, he's been as plugged in as anybody, which is to say that we're all in the same boat. And I'm curious to see if he has any insights on that and, you know, kind of what his takeaways were from the team. You know, Albert Breer was here yesterday, uh, and his kind of takeaways were that the team, things that we've been saying, and so I guess it's coming from the – I believe. He talked to some of the same people that I'm talking to or that, you know, from the things that I've watched, but that Grant Delpit is having a great offseason and they really think he can become a star this year. Uh, I do too. Donovan Peoples-Jones has is, is had a great start to his offseason, and they think he can become a star this year and that he's already to become one of the favorite weapons of Deshaun Watson. I do too. 
that one I agreed with as well. And so those were kind of the big takeaways there. And then also that the team feels very comfortable with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback for this football team. Um, and, you know, that's an important piece of this. And the Browns are very comfortable with Jacoby Brissett. And obviously, look, it's ideal that Deshaun Watson plays 17 games. But in the event that he does not, for whether it is suspension or injury, the Browns feel very confident they can win with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, a couple other takeaways from Albert Breer yesterday. How the wide receiver shakeouts a question mark. The Browns could be creative using the slot with David Bell, Demetric Felton, and Harrison Bryant vying for work. Bryant in particular should have a bigger role as a move tight end. Now, I said that with the David Bell being on the pup list, that maybe opens things up for a guy like Demetric Felton, who has moved from the running back room to the wide receiver room to try to make this roster as a guy who works on the inside. And so that is something I think that we'll watch. I think David Bell is the favorite to be the starter there. They've been very impressed with him in the early going, but they've also been very impressed with Michael Woods, uh, the rookie out of Oklahoma, the sixth rounder. And so they're just, it's a finite number of spots. It's a good team. There's going to be good competitions. That's a question. Nickel cornerback, he says, is another one to watch. Newsom question mark. Yeah, it's Greg Newsom. Okay, so here's the way that the Browns nickel situation is right now and how it's been based on what I've observed in OTAs and minicamp, and we'll see more of this at training camp. Your starting nickel is Greg Newsom, So he would be outside in two cornerback sets, Newsom, Denzel Ward. When Denzel, when they, we go to a nickel or the three cornerback look, five DBs or even dime, and the third corner comes in, Greedy would come in, Greg would go inside. So you're saying, well, right now we know Denzel's not practicing. So what does that mean? So now your outside corners in the two corner sets are Greedy and Greg. And then in the third, A.J. Green would come in and in would go Greg Newsom back to the nickel. Now, what if you didn't have Denzel or Greg Newsom? Because Denzel really is your backup slot. And let's say something happened to Greg. It would be Greedy and Denzel outside. And then Denzel would come inside and A.J. Green would go outside. So what if both of them? A.J. Green right now would be the next guy up to come play in that slot. You'd have M.J. Emerson and Greedy Williams outside. Again, great depth for the Cleveland Browns to have five guys that they feel that good about in that corner room. And M.J. Emerson absolutely has the chance to overtake A.J. Green in that role that I've outlined for him right now. He'd be the next guy up. But he's got to earn it. Rookies have got to earn it. And A.J. Green, you're three for A.J. Green? You're three, and he was our highest-graded coverage yeah. guy last year on the team. He, was, he had three takeaways and under 200 snaps. He had the highest coverage grade, as I said. He was he was phenomenal it's last year. not a year. gimme. He had a quarterback rating against when he was targeted uh, around 21. So he had a phenomenal season last year, did A.J. Green. Um, and so that's where that is. And then he, at the end, he talks about the rookie class, and he said MJ Emerson flashed in the spring. One of the few rookies have been competing. Bell, Mike Woods, too. The coaches really like Emerson's length and mentality. He's tough. He is long. His size stands out, but he's going to have to earn it. You know, I talked to Jeff Aaron, talked to Brandon Lynch. Could they be happier with MJ Emerson right now? No, that's the truth. But he's going to have to earn playing time, and I think one of the things we talked about is potentially carving out a role for him as a dime corner for the Browns as well. That is an interesting thing. And people have to remember, because I saw a lot of comments kind of replying back to Albert Breer, and thank you for that, Gibbe, saying, you know, wait a second. Greg Newsom is supposed to be our lockdown corner opposite Denzel. He is. He is. But he will move into the slot in the nickel situations. And you'd say, well, well what do you mean? Well, that's a value, very valuable position in the NFL. And last year, Greg Newsom allowed just .93 yards per snap in the slot. That was fifth best in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, Greedy Williams on the outside 
had a 71.7 quarterback rate when targeted, only one touchdown allowed all year, and no pass plays of more than 40 yards were allowed uh, by Greedy Williams. So he's had a nice year, and they're very excited about what Greedy Williams is going to do here in this off in this defense, I'm sorry, this season. So you're in a good spot at that quarterback position. That's something to be excited about for the Browns, and I think those battles between that very good cornerback room and our wide receiver room that has talent but is clearly less proven – will be one of the things to watch in camp. You would expect the corners to be able to get the best of them. But when those wide receivers, other than with the exception of Amari Cooper, you know, you feel excited about Donovan Peoples-Jones and what he can bring. We're going to hear from Anthony Schwartz, David Bell. But those will be good matchups. That's going to be great work for our wide receivers and great work for our corners as well because those are going to be intense battles. That's some of my favorite stuff in training camp, by the way, too. The one-on-ones, I'm excited to see that. I don't think we'll see that yet, but that's coming. That's coming next week for sure. When we come back, we are going to go around the NFL, talk to you about some of the high-profile names holding in at training camp due to contract disputes, Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the new headgear that you will see on players of different positions. So there's a new thing at trying to limit head injuries. The NFL has made that an initiative, and, and you'll see it at training camp. You're not going to not see it, I'll tell you that. It's it, it's very noticeable when you see it. That's all coming up when we return. Don't forget Kevin Stefanski at 1.30, Warren Sharp at 2, Ian Rappaport at 2.30, and my one-on-one with Anthony Schwartz, who I think is a key, a real key to this offense, unlocking this offense's full scoring potential. That's at 1.45. All right, when we come back here, we're going to go around the NFL on Cleveland Browns Daily on 8.50 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers for Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for your free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs field side here as we get ready for the Browns to take the field in just a few moments getting ready for training camp day two of Cleveland Browns training camp 2022 here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Matt Starkey, our great photographer who took a vicious hit from Photo Jesus. Justin Simmons, the safety of the Denver Broncos, and shook it right off like an absolute legend. He's out here. He's getting ready, trying to, to scope out where he's going to get the best shots so I love it. This is all where it's all happening. We're all getting ready for it here today out at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. But what's going on around the league is, is a little different. Some places there are some contract disputes going on. And now teams are not having holdouts. They're having hold-ins. Chargers safety Derwin James, Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel, and I'm even told in Pittsburgh Deontay Johnson is doing some of this where he's there but not fully participating as they are all trying to get new contracts. So they're there, they're just not fully participating. Fortunately for the Browns, we don't have any of this. Have have you ever heard of that prior to this season? Where guys showed up and they're just not going to practice because of the contract. It's been the last couple of years. So they go through the meetings, so they're not mentally, you know, getting behind in any way. They want to be there with their teammates and all of that, but they aren't willing to risk an injury until they get that contract that they want. And so we have started to see a little bit more than this of late, and and I think it's a trend that we will continue to see more of uh, going forward here in the National Football League. 
All right, something that is new, though, that we have not seen before, and it's amazing because the Cleveland Guardians, our baseball team, there are now things called Guardian Caps in the NFL, and they are not our baseball team's hats, as no. you might think. <laughs> Instead, this is a, a an interesting thing. It's called a Guardian Cap. They will be worn over the helmets and seen during practice throughout the first month of training camp and the preseason. According to the NFL, the team's passed a resolution in March, and this is from Pro, from, uh, Pro Football Talk, requiring the use of Guardian caps through the second preseason game. The oversized outer layer of padding must be worn by all offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and tight ends. So basically, you've got your helmet, and then on the top of the helmet is a giant multi-padded kind of topper to your helmet that makes it ginormous. It doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't weigh much, but it's just kind of foam padding to protect your, the head of these players who in running drills will have those head-to-head collisions and trying to limit injuries. And so the league said, quote, preseason is the part of the season with the greatest concentration of helmet impacts. Wearing a guardian cap results in at least a 10% reduction in the severity of impact if one player is wearing it and at least a 20% reduction in impact if two players in a collision are wearing it. This is, of course, just one piece of our larger efforts to reduce avoidable head impacts through better helmets, improved techniques, and training regimens. So the guardian cap, uh, the makers of that, Head Health Tech, they won, uh, were one of the winners of it. Uh, back in 2017, the league designed the competition to stimulate development of better player safety equipment. Um, the Guardian cap helped impact the contact. Uh, they're hoping that it can minimize it. So when you come out here, when the Browns are into contact, you will see defensive line, offensive line, linebackers, and tight ends all in these Guardian caps. So the Chief will not be wearing a crown. He will be wearing... He'll be wearing a guardian cap on the top I'm of his helmet. I'm fine with that. If, if, if they're going to be out on the field and we can't just put them away in bubble wrap till September 11th, let's bubble up the heads. <laughs> That's fine. That's basically what they're doing. And so today, I, and you've started to see pitch, pitchers come in from around the league with these guardian caps. Yep. And uh, it's at first you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. And some teams have matched the color up to the color of their helmet. Uh, other teams have gone with just kind of the neutral. And the ones I've seen with the Browns so far have been of that neutral color. And they're bringing out right now the uh, – I'm, I'm thinking this is where they're going to pick up their guardian caps. So the helmet racks are coming out here for the offensive line and the defensive line. And so it's another change aimed at player safety at a time when – you're not playing games. You are not playing for wins and losses. Now, guys are playing for their jobs. They are playing for their football livelihoods, as it were. But to do it in a safe way, obviously, it feels like it benefits everybody. It's just going to take some getting used to, I think, seeing how it happens and seeing what it looks like out here, Gibbe. Hey, look, if it's going to help, and frankly, it's not going to prohibit their movements and, and whatnot, fine. Sign me up. Let's then go. you're into it. Yeah. I, I Again, it's not like the starters are playing in preseason games. Correct. So it, it, that's a big trend. So it, it, in practice, and we've seen some hits in practice where guys got concussions in training camp. No doubt. From, you know, maybe someone's trying to make their presence felt. Maybe someone's trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Whatever they're trying they're, to make an impact. They're trying to get noticed. They're trying to say, hey – I deserve a spot on this team, and sometimes it can get a little overzealous. And I think the whole point, to your point there, is to make sure that it doesn't get overzealous, to make sure that 
people are doing this in the safest way possible, and that's the goal right there. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, will be at the podium. Still to come here in this hour, my one-on-one with Browns wide receiver Anthony Schwartz. 2 o'clock, Warren Sharp from Sharp Football live on the program. 2.30, Ian Rappaport from NFL.com and NFL Network live on this program as well with the very latest on the Browns and really around the National Football League. We'll be back with more live from Browns training camp on ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura, Jason Gibbs live here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Fieldside for day two of Browns training camp, awaiting the arrival of Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium. He will be there shortly. Uh, some news from around the league. One year, $8 million for Carlos Dunlap to the Kansas City Chiefs. Give some veteran pass rushing presence there. He still has some left in the tank. He had a good year in Seattle after a long career in Cincinnati so there is that the other thing that's interesting and we're just getting bits and pieces of it um, number one a lot of people saying that the Debo Samuel deal will be done by the end of this weekend with the the 49ers and their star receiver reaching agreement there Kyler Murray surprised the media in Arizona to talk today he said quote it's disrespectful almost a joke that people think he couldn't have accomplished what he has without studying and preparing for the game. This game is too hard to do otherwise. It makes you wonder, though, why that clause is in his contract. And I was going to say, uh, maybe he the signed team it. thinks otherwise, yeah. buddy. Uh, yeah, he made, and this is Josh Weinfuss, who we've had on the show. Murray made an unscheduled appearance in the media room today to defend himself against all the backlash he has faced following the revelation of the independent study addendum in his extension. He said he wouldn't be in the position he's in right now without studying a lot. Clearly, the Arizona thinks he needs to study more. <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there. Uh, they wanted the, like, the no baseball clause is in there for a reason. The no st- homework clause was in there for a reason. They certainly wouldn't put anything in there uh, to, <laughs> unless they felt that they needed to do it. Why would you, Otherwise, all you're going to do is put that in there and upset him. He obviously felt that he needed to do it, which is why he signed that. He was asked if he was mad at the team for the contract clause. He declined to answer. Not our drama. Thank goodness. Let's go to our leader now, head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium. Hey, Kevin, guys are going to be wearing those Guardians caps today. Um, Guardian caps. Guardians, Guardians, that's the baseball team. Thank you. Yeah. Duly noted. Um, any res- I mean, it's obviously a great idea to protect mm-hmm. these guys. Any resistance at all from the players? I've talked to the team about it, Tom. Uh, it's something that was jointly agreed upon with the PA and, and the NFL. And anything we can do to make our game safer, we're all about. So. That's something that is new this year. I think the guys are open to it. Uh, like anything, I'm sure there's going to be getting used to it and those type of things. But we used them uh, with the rookies uh, in that first camp when we had just the rookies and the quarterbacks out here. We had them on. So uh, I think it will just become the norm likely in our game. Good feedback. We really, uh, that, so that was the rookies wearing them. So their feedback is no feedback, right? <laughs> but they won't tell you anything. But uh, we really haven't had them on. So today will be the first time with the veterans having them on. It's through the second week of the preseason. And it's O-line, D-line, tight ends, and linebackers. All to that category. Just at practice. Did you see that affecting like, short yardage drills, goal line movement? No, I don't. I mean, 
we, everything we do, we keep the head out of it, whether you're tackling or, or blocking or taking on a block. You know, we're trying to keep our head out of it. That's good technique. So putting these things on doesn't automatically make you, you know, a battering ram of any sort. So we're, we're still being uh, very safe in how we teach, and the guys know that's how we, that's how we operate. We don't uh, use our head uh, in that way. You mentioned the positions, Kevin. Is, is it open to the DB and quarterback? Exactly. That's right. So it's, it's mandatory for O-line, D-line. Linebackers, tight ends, and then open to anyone else who wants to try it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. When do the full pads come on Monday? Tuesday. Yep. Kevin Miles. Go ahead, John. We've got Amari Cooper. Can I ask him about this quarterback? He's basically said, you know, as long as he gets open, no matter who's back, who's back there. So. Not making much of a big deal about it. Yeah, I'd co-sign. Yeah. What Amari said. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I agree. But no, he, you know, he, he said the ball spirals to him. You know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Jeff, I mean, our receivers, they have their job to do, and they got to get open, and they got to catch the football. I don't think they spend a lot of time uh, thinking about that. Conversely, quarterbacks spend time thinking about how guys come out of breaks getting used to a player's length or maybe lack of length and, and how you throw to them. But receivers, they're, they're getting open and they're catching the ball. Question to be asked about the continuity of you bringing your you know, staff back third year together and whatnot. Um, on the field, your, your secondary, having those guys uh, together, uh, coming back, ending the season strong, just how does that, uh, I guess, uh, affect your expectations and your hopes of are you saying the secondary or the whole yeah, defense, the, the secondary. specifically the secondary? Yeah, I think, as you guys know, there's a lot of communication that occurs in the back end, and oftentimes it's nonverbal communication. You're, you're signaling to each other. You're, you're, you're watching a guy's demeanor to understand what he's doing in, a, in an adjustment. Uh, you're making adjustments based on the formation, based on stacks, based on bunches and those type of things. So anytime you have the same group together, communication does become uh, easier. Not to say that you don't work at it, but I, I think continuity allows that communication to be more seamless and maybe move a little bit faster in settings like this. Kevin, uh, yesterday Miles said that he's still got a lot left in the tank to get better on. Where do you see, just given how dominant he's been in the past, that he can get better specifically? Yeah, I think I think we mentioned this before, Jake. We'll sit with all the players when we get back uh, to the offseason program, and we spend a lot of time looking at the tape and identifying things that every single player and, and a guy like miles who's a great player he there's always something that he needs to get better at. and next year it's going to be the same message uh, and i just think that's players that push themselves now i'm not going to get into the specifics but there's always things in technique that, that you can improve upon uh, and i think miles along with coach kiff has identified those things and, and want to make sure that you start working it here on the practice field miles was was so dominant early on in the season at least statistically later on not quite as much um, what do you attribute that to as you went back and looked at this table? I, I do think you need to be careful because sacks do not tell an entire story. I think pressures really tell the story oftentimes. So when you, and it's all of us do it, you look at that sack number and that's maybe not the best indicator of a player's impact on the game. So uh, I thought Miles had a significant impact uh, throughout the season. Jake, I about Grant Delman and said his leadership has kind of impressed him. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, I think with Grant Marler going back to the offseason program, he just did a really nice job in, in understanding what we're doing, was efficient in his movement, 
so I, I think any leadership probably comes from him being more comfortable out there on the grass. Uh, this is, in, in a lot of ways, year two for Grant. Uh, so I, I think he's just getting more comfortable. And then natural leaders, that starts to come out of them uh, when they can process information quickly and, and can react quickly and are doing their job. That's when the leadership then can start to show up. Kevin, the receivers outside of Lamari, obviously, you like the potential, but it's not a lot of experience. Is there a concern there, you know, about, you know, getting that consistency out of that that collection? Well, I think you, you hit it. Consistency is really, really important for an, any position, but that receiver position, certainly we're looking for guys that c can perform on a consistent basis. Uh, we do have Amari who, who's done it at a high level uh, you know, throughout his career, and we do have young guys that we're excited about. So it, it's a group, uh, when you, on whole, it's a group that we're excited about. On, on Amari a little bit, um, you know, number, those number one receivers, they tend to come with a lot of personality. Um, and he seems like he's more of a down-to-earth type of guy. Just from your perspective and the time you spent with him, just what type of personality do you think Amari has? Yeah, I think you guys are getting to know Amari, just like I'm getting to know Amari and, and spending time with him. Uh, he is uh, a little bit more low-key, uh, not loud and boisterous, but he's a great teammate. He's brilliant, smart. I sit right behind him in meetings. Uh, he's, he's as smart a player as I've been around. Uh, I really enjoy having him out here. I enjoy watching him work. And he's such a big, imposing figure at that position. And to watch him go through drills and, and take extra reps, he, he won't take himself out. So Coach O'Shea is the one that has to manage those type of reps. But he, he's a pro's pro all the way. With Nick, as you know, he practiced so much because JC was really on a, a pitch count, if you will, and we we're being careful with JC's knees uh, throughout his career. So with Nick, he, we saw a lot of Nick. There's a ton of reps that we got with him, and then he got to in the meeting room be able to study with JC, with Coach Callahan, Joel, Jack, Wyatt, some of the older players, more established players. So I think he's been brought along the right way. Uh, and then to his credit, he's done everything we've asked him to do. He's another guy that's that's worked very, very hard in this building uh, to transform his body. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about Nick. Yeah, I wanted to ask when you took those first team reps in the yeah, how much of that accelerated Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like doing. Uh, so you can be up on the board as much as you want, but doing uh, the, the job is, is really what will allow you to learn uh, any of those tasks. When the trade for a number one Uh, I, that particular one, I don't remember, Tony. I think what happens is you spend a lot of time on potential cuts, potential trades. So you kind of have that list of guys. So Amari was a guy that we had done work on prior to that deal. Uh, so I had watched him, the coaches had watched him, the scouts had watched him. So I would tell you he was on our radar as a guy who may be available. So wherever it was conceived, you were both departments that are involved? Yes, so, yeah, very much so. There's a lot of new faces uh, on the roster. A lot of these guys talking about chemistry and building that this thing. A couple days in, is there any specific, you know, dedicated time to talk about maybe how they were in the off season? Just letting these guys get to know each other, or is that just on them to do themselves? It's a good question. I think a lot of it is organic, and it's so much easier when you're standing next to somebody and 
you know, in our locker room, if you remember, we had those the plastic up, and it was every two lockers were empty. Well, now everybody's next to each other. We're, we're walking out to the practice field together. They can ride over together if they want to. They can go break bread together. So I think so much of that happens organically. But I will tell you, we do always, when you get back together, for instance, when we got back together in April or we got back together a few days ago, you always do spend time to find out what everybody's been up to and, and share with each other. And guys that are having babies, guys that are getting married, all, all those type of things. I don't think it's any different than any business, quite honestly. I think there's some different personalities around this circle right here. Um, and it's just that that's who we are. I mean, that's how we operate, uh, certainly, with different people and respecting people where they come from and where they are. And, and that's kind of what makes it fun is having different personalities. Do you have your, your, we haven't been in the black room since we've been at Coach. Kevin, do you have uh, you know, like offensive linemen all together? Do you have guys? Yeah, we have it spread out. Yeah, we have it spread out. You're always taking care of. There's some premium positions in that locker room. Guys like to be on the corner. And right, some, right, right. Uh, so that'll go to some of the vets and the older senior players. But we have them spread out. Kevin, what was your advice for Callie? Well, we told her she's not allowed to come back without a gold medal is what we told her. Uh, but, no, she's ready. She's, uh, she's going to do a great job. Uh, I don't know if she needs my advice, but she's uh, – we're excited for her. She was able to be here for our team meeting on Tuesday night, so we kind of wished her well. Uh, but excited to hopefully get to watch some of that. It will be streaming. Uh, so we're, we're, we're looking forward to her doing her thing and, and coming back with a gold medal. Kevin, as, as we, two more. As we inch toward a resolution with Deshaun, what is your message to him yeah, I think with Deshaun, uh, I know there is that uncertainty like we talked about yesterday, but we can only control what we can control, and, and I think that's what he's done a very nice job of. Uh, and, and so much of that is, is football. Is, is There's a lot of volume to what we're doing right now when it comes to football, so there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of install, there's a lot of workout and, and walkthrough and practice, and he's really thrown himself into that. Are you empathetic to how challenging that can be for him? Sure. I think everybody's going through uh, certain challenges. Uh, in training camp, and, and we have to be ready to, to navigate those like we've talked about, but um, we're, we're trying to support all of our players. It seemed like last year, the high point of the climax, I don't know that it was that, Tony. Uh, I, I know that those two days versus the Giants were, were some really good work. Uh, we'll get it, some really good work versus the Eagles, obviously, out here, but we still have more uh, room to go post that. Now, I think to your point, we'll really shift into regular season mode for that third preseason game versus Chicago. We'll go to a third. We'll go to a uh, regular season schedule, if you will. So you'll notice that. But uh, we, we've thought long and hard about how to plan this training camp so it's maximizing uh, our ability to get this football team ready and minimizing any risk to injury. Yeah, he's he's another guy that did an awesome job here throughout the off season in the summer. I mean, has been diligent about his work. He looks great. I think he feels great. Uh, excited about what he has. I mean, he's given us some really good moments in his first couple seasons. I think he's ready to take on that bigger role. I think he's excited about it. And just the way he's attacked this off season showed me that he's uh, he's trending in the right direction.
Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that's Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium when we come back. My exclusive one-on-one with Browns wide receiver, second-year wide receiver, Anthony Schwartz, coming up next here on Cleveland Browns Daily, live from Browns Training Camp 2022. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Very happy now to be joined by Browns second-year wide receiver, Anthony Schwartz. And Anthony, first of all, Let's, before we get into football, how was your summer, man? What did you do when you were able to get away from here and, uh, and relax to get ready for this big season? Well, my summer was pretty good. No, I was just down in Florida. It was hot like always, but when I wasn't training, I was in how to make a stop at Disney, Universal, kind of my two places where I like to relax the most at. But other than that, I was grinding away just trying to be ready for the season. All right, you have one day, Disney or Universal? I think, as of right now, I think I'm doing Universal. All right, give me give me the Mount Rushmore. So both parks are in both experiences. Cause I know there's multiple parks. Each place are in the running. The Mount Rushmore of rides that you're going on. Give me your top four rides, both places combined. Ooh, all right. So I think Velocicoaster is going to be on. There. Absolutely, no doubt. It's maybe the one of the best roller coasters I've ever been on in my life. For sure. Um, it's kind of hard because now you kind of want to take. That's only the new ride I want to have. If I would say. I'd put Space Mountain on there because that's a classic, you know, classic. Space Mountain. All right, that's two. Yeah, classic. I like that. All right. And then, uh, ooh. So I love I love the Harry Potter lands, okay. but I don't think I could put that on a Mount Rushmore okay. just because there's too many classic rides at each park. So I think I might have to go with the Incredible Hulk Coaster. Really? You like when you go in the tunnel, go right under the water? All right, yeah, so two for Universal, one for Disney so far. All right. And then last... Damn, the Disney fans are gonna hate me because I'm gonna add another Universal ride, and it's gonna wow. be—it's gonna be Revenge of the Mummy. That was my favorite ride until Velocicoaster there, and I think th- those are my like top four that I want to go on. Really, Revenge of the Mummy. So this is why you're choosing Universal, obviously. Yeah. What do you think about the Pandora one? Like that one blew my mind. I like it, but it's just at the end of the day, it's still a simulator, and I prefer roller coaster. So okay. I'll take like a theme roller coaster, like Guardians of the Galaxy, Hagrid's at Universal. Like those rides are just insane but no love for the yeti no love for everest expedition everest is a classic too i i went on that ride opening year back when it was working for real <laughs> but i've just been having bad luck every time i go it's always either closed it's closed when i went this year yeah it closed on me due to the weather then the whole first half of the year it was closed too so it was just kind of got to add that into a factor it's got it's left a bad taste in your mouth all right so strong so there we start yeah good summer let's go back to the spring because coming out of year number one what was something that you wanted to improve upon what were the things that you were focused on bettering that you were able to bring out here to the OTAs and the mini camp and show I, I wanted to prove my route running catching and just improve my whole entire confidence because I feel like towards the end of last season I kind of just didn't feel as confident in myself didn't feel like confident in my abilities and so I just wanted to come out here and show that I belong and I felt like during the spring I was able to do that I was able to make those strides make those improvements and just to build from there I feel like this could be something that I can build that can be really special yeah, so you're feeling confident today yes sir good coach Chad O'Shea he's tough on you guys but he is demanding but he's exacting because it's for your benefit right how has kind of that relationship been working with him because I know he was very pleased with the spring that you had as well it's great, you know, you come in there, he's just gonna, he's gonna keep it real, he's gonna keep everything 100% honest. So we came in, he told me I have a lot of things to work on and if I don't work on them, then I might not be able to be here. So I just know, I, have to, I already knew that going into here, but you know, every day is not given, you have to work to be here. And then I wanted to work, I wanted to show and prove that I belong here. 
and I hope that I, I did that in the spring and then bring it on in the training camp so I can get ready for the season. I know one of the things you want to work on were your hands, right? And you saw we saw that in the spring. You made a lot of great catches in those OTAs and the mini camps. What did you do to what was the work to put in to, to get to that point where now you feel very reliable and your quarterbacks feel like you're very reliable catching the football? It's just catching footballs no matter where you are, whether it's whether it's at home, whether it's in the house, whether it's your my mom just tossing it back and forth, whether it's me just tossing it up and down, just being able to feel more comfortable, kind of doing a whole bunch of hand-eye coordination drills, a whole bunch of ball drills, just being able to catch, 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 and work on grip strength, grip strength, grip strength, because it's one thing to catch the ball, so another thing to hold on to it. So it was just a combination of those things were able to help me be able to be more confident in my catching abilities and to be able to improve on that aspect of my game. If people want to improve their grip strength, what's the number one exercise that you would recommend? I would definitely recommend rice buckets. Rice buckets is it's easy, it's not hard to do, and it just it gives you the best work I feel like because it's you're just working all your finger all your little muscles in your fingers, muscles in your forearms, working on everything that helps with grip. And it not only does it get you stronger, it also brings a lot of little bit of stamina in your hands because if you've ever done rice buckets, you know, your forearms just start burning and burning and burning. And you need that burn because you need that because you're never gonna be burning while catching the ball. But you just want to have that in you so you can keep on catching, keep that grip strong. So speak, speaking of burning, that's one of the reasons you're here. You're a burner. We know about the track accolades, all of that. How hard is it, though, when you're going? And you came in. This is the thing that I don't think enough people pay attention to. You come from Auburn. You guys aren't running an offense like you're running in the NFL. Your responsibilities were very, very different there. So you had to do a lot of learning and a lot of thinking probably out there early on. It's hard to play fast when you're thinking out there. Now a year into it, do you feel much more comfortable kind of with the playbook with what you're asking you to do so that you can take that track speed and put it out on the field as play speed? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the, that was probably the biggest thing going into the OTAs and going into the spring. Like each day I'm like going out there on seven on seven and it's just I'm out here to get open and catch the ball and compete. Whereas last year I felt like I was kind of more timid because, oh, I don't want to mess up, don't want to mess up this. Now I feel like I, I got the playbook down, just keep staying in it so I can keep it down. And being able to have that just helps me to go out there and play fast and play to where I know I can play at. And you had a thing, and it's been well documented. I know you talked about it at length with Mary Kay about, you know, how you felt coming out of that interception against the Texans, and we don't need to get into that. But when you're thinking the mindset, as you just said, don't mess up, you can't play that way. It'd be like you're trying to play golf, and you're like, don't hit in the water. What happens? The ball goes in the water. So now you're feeling more confident, and you're focused on the positives. And I think you've seen the results that have come from that. Yes, sir. Like, that's, that's the main thing is to stay positive and – like you said before, just being able to play fast and play how, how you're supposed to play. Like, I'll take it in the track. I was never in the track saying, oh, don't slip, don't do this. I'm like, run fast. Yeah. And I was able to run fast, yep. Yeah. And it just kind of brings that to any mindset. Any mindset you have to have, you have to always keep it positive. You never want to think of the negatives. Well, you realize, and I'm sure they've talked to you about it, but you could be a very a linchpin to this offense. The vertical element that you provide is unique in this room and, and potentially unique in the National Football League. How excited are you for that opportunity? And you know what's on you to come out here when the pads come on to continue what you've shown this offseason, but to know that you can be a huge part of why this team is so successful on offense, not only with hitting big plays yourself, but creating space for everybody else to operate. It's very exciting because one thing I want to do is win ball games and with my speed, I feel I can be a very big part of the offense, and it's up, like you said before, it's up, it's up to me to be able to have the Live offense to trust me. And I feel like with my speed, being able to, whether it's stretching the field to throw me deep, or whether it's me stretching the field and get so other teams, my, my teammates open. It's just anything I could do to help the team win. I'd love to do it, and then I feel like just with my speed and mangling everything else that I've been working on, route running, catching, I can add all everything to my game and become that linchpin. 
And it feels like you've already developed chemistry with Deshaun and with Jacoby. What has that been like going to a new quarterback, getting ready for that? So we got our Madden ratings uh, liaison over here, Greg Newsom, walking by. We'll, we'll watch this matchup when the Pats come on here, Greg. What what has that been like developing kind of that rapport with them? Because it seemed like it's come pretty quickly. Yeah, it's been great, you know, especially with the trips we've taken and just those guys, like, they want you to come to them and ask them questions. And it's just good, especially with um, uh, both Deshaun and Jacoby. Jacoby, he's trains down in Florida, so I was able to throw with him in the summer just to even connect even more. And then both guys are very smart, great guys, and they just love the help, and they love the, they love the win, and they know we all want to win. Absolutely. What's one thing, and we'll leave it right here. This has been great stuff, Anthony. I'm very excited for you this year. What's one thing you want Browns fans to know about Anthony Schwartz? I just want them to know that I'm here to compete. I'm here to win no matter what, what it takes. I'm here to win, not a quitter. Love to see it, man. Good luck to you. Excited to see you out here when this training camp gets going, and best of luck this season. Yes, sir. Thank you. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back in to Cleveland Browns Daily live field side here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus as the Browns going through their stretching right now. And sure enough, the Guardian Caps on the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the tight ends, the skill position guys, with the exception of the tight ends and the DBs, uh, no guardian caps. They're all going through their stretching right now on the far side of the field opposite where we're currently sitting here for Cleveland Browns Daily. Coming up in this hour, Warren Sharp will be joining us from Sharp Football, Ian Rappaport as well, who's live on site with NFL Network. But I want to talk for a second about Anthony Schwartz there, and you heard that. He got down on himself last year. There were a couple things that stood out to me. Number one, that he got down on himself last year, and he took a lot of blame for what happened with the injury to Baker Mayfield. Now, I know he's talked about that with Mary Kay Cabot, and you can read that. Um, but he's moved past that now, which is good. I think it's very important. You can't, you have to play fast. You can't play scared. you got to be focusing on the positives, and I think that's one of the things from a mental standpoint that he's been able to do. He's worked very hard on his ability to catch the football. You heard him talking about building that grip strength, and that's something that really was noticeable in the OTAs of the minicamps, and you want to see that carry on, especially when the pads come on. And he's improved his route running, and Chad O'Shea is on him for that. And I thought this was very telling. This was very candid from, from Anthony Schwartz. He said, Chad O'Shea told me if I don't do these things, I might not get to be here. Think about that. He was a third-round pick a year ago, and obviously that's going to buy you some time in this league. But he was letting him know that, okay, now you are a Cleveland Brown, and you are a guy we are counting on. I think that Anthony Schwartz can unlock this offense with his speed, not only in creating big plays for himself, but in creating space for other players to hit big plays. And so I think he's a very important part of what the Browns want to do on offense. And that's why how he performs in this training camp and in this preseason is going to dictate, I think, a lot of things about this offense. Now, if he has a rough go, that's where you could bring in a Will Fuller. That's where you could bring in a Deshaun Jackson or a T.Y. Hilton. But if he plays well, he has an opportunity, I think, to be a very special and very important part of this. He has unique speed. Bottom line, he has speed that scares people, but you you have to play up to that track speed, and that comes with confidence and the knowledge of what you're doing. And now he's got a year in the system. He knows the playbook. He's a very smart guy. And so I think Anthony Schwartz is somebody that the Browns certainly are counting on and, and that the Browns are going to be definitely watching. I think that that is something that they are going to be watching very much uh, in terms of, you know, 
where how does he look? How is he fitting in? The chemistry has been very good thus far with Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. But I think that, you know, Anthony Schwartz is the one guy you're watching in that wide receiver room. I think we know Amari Cooper. We know Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, the staff is very good on what they think they've got in David Bell. But Anthony Schwartz, that speed is something that really can unlock things for the Cleveland Browns. We go to our hotline now, and what a treat. We welcome in Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis. And he's got his 564-page Sharp Football Analysis football preview out now. Get your copy today. Don't wait. It's got everything you want to know about your team and every team in the NFL. It's at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Follow him on Twitter, at sharpfootball. Warren, thank you for being with us here today. Ah, Warren, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us here on Cleveland Browns Daily, and congratulations, by the way, on completing this unbelievable 564-page football guide that really gets into everything you could possibly want to know about every team, what you thought of some of their tendencies, every EPA, all the analytics, all the tenants, everything. It's really incredibly comprehensive. It's awesome. I'm sure it is a labor of great love for you. How relieved are you when you finish that thing? (laughs) Extremely. This year more so than most because last year book was five, uh, 450 pages. This year I found more information, more data, paid for a little bit more uh, data that I could acquire to crunch numbers on, and it definitely took a lot longer to write. And so more so than any other year, I was just like so thankful to be done with it and uh, getting ready to, for camps to open and preseason games starting here in a week. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and the Browns are on the field right in front of me right now, and they're a team that we know. Look, the big question is, what can this Browns team be with Deshaun Watson? What will they be without Deshaun Watson? And we just don't know how long both of those things will be true. Will he be here for, you know, 13 of the 17 games? Will he be here for all 17? Will he be here only for nine? That's still to come. But let's just start with what the Browns would have with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Oh, I mean, it's it's hard to comprehend how much better he is than the quarterbacks that you've had there recently. Um, he people, cause people forget he was down with the Houston sure. Texans. I think the last season that they were down there, he, they went four and 12. Uh, but yep. if you look at what he was doing during that season and where he ranked in the NFL, it was absolutely something to be very excited about. This is why multiple teams, you guys weren't the only ones, but multiple teams were trying to inquire about getting him despite all of the legal cloud that's hanging over his head and the stuff that he's currently dealing with right now because they thought that if he was able to play, he would be that much impactful for them. And I can just tell you, you know, all, all levels of the field, This the one thing that's going to be the biggest difference for Deshaun, in my opinion, playing for you guys and playing for uh, Bill O'Brien down with the Houston Texans, is the protection. He was under pressure so frequently that offensive line was so terrible, and yet he was consistently one of the top five passers in the NFL for multiple years there. I think that with the protection that this offensive line is going to deliver to him, the the sky's really the limit um, in terms of, who your receivers are or what plays they're going to call, but like you're going to have significantly more upside with Watson. And I think it's going to be incredible when he's actually out there behind this line, uh, getting play calls from Kevin Stefanski. 
And I was reading through your, again, it's an unbelievable guide. I'd highly recommend it for any football fan out there. You can buy it at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Follow him on Twitter at sharpfootball. But, Warren, one of the things that stuck out to me in your kind of analysis, and I would even say, you know, some criticism, or at least you had questions about it, was the fact that the Browns prior to this year with their, with their past quarterback, Baker Mayfield, that they needed to throw in situations when teams weren't necessarily expecting them to throw you want them to throw more on first down more play action on second down and avoid shotgun 11 personnel third and long where it's obvious passing situations when you go for a situation like that as a play caller where you're limited in how you can really get into your pass game versus now with Deshaun Watson after listening to what you said there and reading the things you wrote about him where it's all opened up how does that help Kevin Stefanski how does that change this offense yeah, look, and Kevin Stefanski did things perfectly when he came to Cleveland in 2020, COVID offseason, but he did everything to make Baker's life much more straightforward and easy to deal with. He increased the rate of two tight end sets. He yep. increased the rate of passing from under center. He did all of the things that he needed to do. Last season, he started dialing it back a little bit. And, and I wrote a little bit. There were some criticisms there. They, they weren't using as many two tight end sets. Um, they weren't using – they were using a little bit more shotgun. And the results were bad for Baker. But they were moving back towards, like, the league average in some of those uh, statistics. Here, as you mentioned, you don't need to hold Baker's hand and give him the, the looks that the defense thinks it's might going to be run, and then you pass out of it, and that's the only time that Baker's really going to excel. Now you can spread the field with three wide receivers or even four and have a shotgun quarterback and drop back and throw the football. And the interesting thing is, though, we're not quite sure how that's necessarily going to look because Stefanski came from Minnesota, Minnesota coached by Mike Zimmer. That was a run first team that liked to throw the ball with play action. And it's not to say that he's not going to use a lot of play action still because we know how much efficiency play action delivers to your passing offense, sure. but now there's just more at his disposal, more plays that he can call in terms of Kevin Stefanski with Deshaun Watson. So in terms of opening up the offense and doing more things, yes and yes. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to end up looking because we haven't seen Kevin Stefanski do that as frequently, but now you have a quarterback who can basically execute anything that you're going to throw at him, and it's going to be a, a relief for Kevin Stefanski that he can call pretty much whatever he wants to in a given situation. Talking with the great Warren Sharp from SharpFootballAnalysis.com on Twitter at SharpFootball. And Warren, I, I think you're right about that. But let's say the quarterback is that. In Jacoby Brissett, uh, what do the Browns have? And do you think that with a Jacoby Brissett, things would mirror more closely to what the Browns have done in the past as opposed to what they would maybe be able to do with Deshaun Watson, where there are no limitations as a play caller? I, I think they're going to have to hold Br Brissett. Brissett is not close to Baker Mayfield. I know people in Cleveland were just ready to move on from Baker Mayfield, but let me just tell you this. Brissett is not close. I know that he did okay that year that uh, Andrew Luck retired spur of the moment and they had the sure. use Brissett down there. Frank Reich basically performed a miracle to just get a modicum of winning play out of Brissett there. They, they got tons of yards after the catch the offense was designed to try to raise that and they also that year played the number one easiest schedule of opposing defenses so um you know i, I wondered about some of these things that kevin's the why are why aren't they using a little bit more under center passing why do they keep why aren't they using multi-tight end sets because we know baker's better with it they're passing out of a lot of zero one tight end sets like these are things that i was wondering about last year i'm worried this year 
with Jacoby Brissett, how that offense is going to look if Kevin Stefanski doesn't go back to the 2020 style and not the 2021 style. He's got to go all the way back and maybe even before that and say, we got a quarterback who's severely limited. How can we redesign things to help him out? What does he need to do? Maybe he won't be like Baker Mayfield in that he needs multiple tight ends to have success, but there are going to be things that you're going to have to completely change with your offense to play to the limiting the weaknesses and enhancing whatever strengths there are with Jacoby Brissett. It's going to be much more difficult on the coaching staff, but you're really going to have to pay close attention to that during the games that he's starting. And of course, you're very fortunate that the NFL gave you a schedule like they did. Your first four games are the easiest of any team in the NFL. And then your next four games before the bye week, three of those four are at home. So, I mean, they're tough games, but they're at home. So, you know, you, then you have the bye week. So like, if he's suspended for the first eight games, at least you know you played the easiest schedule in the league for the first month, and then you got three out of the four games at home. Um, we can figure out how we're going to optimize Jacoby Brissett in those, that first month to better utilize him in those more difficult games where at least he's not going to have to deal with all the crowd noise and all that stuff playing a bunch of road games. Yeah, and one of the things about it, one of the things I know the Browns like very much is that he takes care of the football, and when he was with Indy, 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and I think we look at this Browns team, and I'm going to transition to this, is with the rest of the roster, if you cannot lose games at quarterback, you're going to have a chance to win most games, and I'm just looking at your ranks. You have the Browns with the number one offensive line, the number one running backs, the top five front seven, the number three secondary, number 11 head coach. That's a pretty darn good recipe and resume there to build a team around, so when you take quarterback out of the equation what is this Browns football team to you I think that they're a successful team this upcoming season um this is a team that obviously you know it's hard to completely ignore the quarterback position but look at the schedule that they play I've got them playing the based upon opposing teams win total projections for this upcoming season which is how you're supposed to look at strength of schedule they play the eighth easiest schedule And if you're looking at the defenses that this offense is going to play, they play, I want to say it's the eighth easiest schedule from that regard as well. And uh, maybe it's the seventh easiest and it's the eighth easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses. So there's a lot that's going to go right for this team. They also play a lot easier schedule of opposing quarterbacks. So life is going to be easier on their defense. They played the eighth most difficult schedule of opposing quarterbacks last season. This upcoming season, they're going to play the ninth easiest schedule by my metrics of opposing quarterbacks. Um, So they're going to have opportunities for their defense to look a little bit better. And when you have a run game like they do, and when you have an offensive line like they do, it does make life easier, even if you have a quarterback that is struggling uh, like Jacoby Brissett very well might. I mean, this is part of the reason why last season you guys were still doing all right you almost were you were a coin flip away from having a winning record despite Baker Mayfield playing most of the season injured because you had all these other elements to the roster that were very strong compared to most other teams talking with Warren Sharp from sharpfootballanalysis.com at sharpfootball on Twitter all right Warren when you look at this this landscape of the AFC North how do you kind of see this playing out? I know it's very difficult to project the Browns, obviously, because if it's two games, four games, zero games, eight games, it changes everything. So take the Browns out of it. How do you see the rest of the teams in the AFC North, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, it's easy to say, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are a solid number four to me. Uh, I think this team is going to be 
a, a more of a run-heavy team. It's going to be kind of what their owner, Rooney, was asking for before last season. Um, this team is going to turn a lot to the run. Their O-line stinks. They can't run block, and it's going to be very problematic. They're going to have a good defense. They're going to be in a lot of low-scoring games, uh, sure. but I just don't see them winning very many of them. I like the Baltimore Ravens um, more than most people. If you follow me on Twitter, this is no surprise to you. But Oh, yeah, you I were mad about some Jack- of the things – yeah, said about Lamar. Yeah, you were yeah, unhappy the, with that. The, I, I think it's been um, ridiculous when you think about what he's done in the context of how he's turned this franchise around, how this team was the number one seed last year before he got hurt. He obviously missed the final five games or four and a half games. They lost all five of those that he was injured or missed. Um, at the end of the year, they fell out of the number one seed and out of the playoffs. And this is a team, they were a run first team that had to shift to the pass because all the running backs got injured before the start of the season. There are question marks for the Ravens this year, but I actually think that the Ravens have a very good shot of winning this division. Um, so, you know, the Browns aren't – most books don't have this division up for futures bets because of the situation going on sure. with the Browns quarterback. But I think that the uh, Baltimore Ravens, their defense is going to be phenomenal. The Cincinnati Bengals, I think, take a slight step back, but not as – far back as I would have thought maybe in February because of the moves they made in free agency to kind of help anchor down that offensive line and help improve along that front. So I was definitely ready to fade this team big time. But you look at this team, I think prior to last season, they were favored in three games. This season, they are underdogs at this point because they've lined all the games on the calendar. They're underdogs in only three games. I just think that there's too much love for the Cincinnati Bengals um, but I still think that this is going to be a, a, a good team. It's just I don't see the fairy tale run that they had last year being able to be repeated this year. Um, if Watson's suspension is for, I don't know, it's, it's just so hard to discuss, but like if it's sure. for only like four games or so, I, I think it's clearly a two-man race for the AFC North between the Ravens and the, and the Browns. If the suspension wow. is for eight games or 12 games, um, that's when I think it's, it's the Ravens, uh, division to lose it's not going to be that it's not going to be a tight tight race but I think that the Ravens have the distinct upshot I've already bet the Baltimore Ravens to make the playoffs this year uh, I think they absolutely will do that Warren this was great as always we really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with us and everybody out there if you want more of this it's there for every single team it's incredible 564 pages of sharp football analysis football preview you can get it at sharp football analysis Then again, great follow on Twitter. And yeah, took a lot of umbrage with anonymous defensive coordinators. I'll tell you this, when I'm on the (laughs) sidelines and and when I was on the sidelines, Lamar Jackson strikes fear into you because we've seen him do it, certainly against the Browns, and and the guy makes plays that – Literally nobody else can make, and so I get it. I like the defense there. You can follow him on Sharp Football, always entertaining, always informative. Warren, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me, Nathan. All right, you got it. When we come back, we'll update you on what's going on here right now at training camp day two at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, live from Browns training camp, day two. And as we look out in the field in front of us, the offense on the field closest to us, I can tell you Demetric Felton working with the wide receivers today once again, and I think that's a permanent thing. Our running backs are off to our right, and they've got a darn good uh, – they got more than a quartet. They got a quintet over there. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You've got Dearness Johnson, John Kelly Jr., and Jerome Ford, the Browns draft pick from Cincinnati. We got our four quarterbacks throwing the ball. Deshaun Watson, Dobbs, Rosen, and of course Jacoby Brissett out there as they're going through drills. Everybody's kind of in their own position groups right now. The tight ends down at the far end of the field, the offensive line in their own area. We've got punters and kickers. I was actually talking with Cade York because I noticed yesterday he was wearing a black shoe on his left foot, a white shoe on his right foot. And he said, and today he was out there in the, the double black shoe. He said, I'd rather be comfortable today when I kick. I wear it a size down, so I really squeeze my foot in there. I wanted to be comfortable, so he said he is, that's what he does when he's not cook, kicking the ball as he gets out there for comfort, which is good to see. Look at Kareem Hunt throwing some passes here in the running back. Drills a little high on that one there to Dearness Johnson, as we're seeing really all the luminaries out and about today taking in Brown's practice here in the early going. Um, and then on the far end, we got our defense working with Joe Woods watching out there uh, with the DBs and Jeff Howard and Brandon Lynch going through their paces. And I love when they do do this they break up the safeties into one group that's with Jeff Howard the corners are with Brandon Lynch and then Joe Woods kind of watches all of that our linebackers of course with Jason Tarver they're going through some zone drops right now and then you got the D-line getting it done so everybody's kind of in their position group drills and this feels a lot like an OTA to me this feels a lot like a mini camp type of a practice as we really are ramping things up here from yesterday when it was a totally just a jog through a walk through as it were the Browns getting ready now for this training camp and, and ramping it up every day. And I'll be curious to see if we get like a little seven-on-seven. Seven. We saw the offense run some plays on air, and, you know, they call those the perfect plays where they just run and everybody sprints down the field, and, and Kevin Stefanski loves getting that started. So that's what we're seeing in case people are wondering, and it, it, they really shouldn't here. I'll break it down for you. John Watson's going to take all the first-team reps. Jacoby Brissett's going to take the second-team reps, and maybe as things go on and more information becomes available, that could change. But that's how it was in OTAs. That's how it was in minicamp. That's how it will be here. Now there are plenty of reps to be had for that second team. What will be interesting to see is how many reps are devoted to the third string. How many reps for Dobbs? How many reps for Rosen in that competition to be the Browns' third-string quarterback? But as you heard from Kevin Stefanski that right now, you know, Dobbs came in, gave him a good spring, and, and they feel good about him in that role. And so it'll be on Rosen to beat him out if he wants to ultimately make this roster. So that's where we are here today, field side. We got Ian Rappaport coming up uh, in a little bit. Hopefully he is on site with us and expect him to join us here on set here for Cleveland Browns Daily. And going through these practices, the fans not yet here. It is the acclimation period, as we told you, Saturday, baby. Oh, yeah, that's when everybody's going to be here. This place is going to be rocking. You'll see all the new stuff. I was talking with some of the players about it, and they think it looks – the facility looks great. All the extra room is very, very noticeable. We're broadcasting right now, in fact, from I think what used to be a house, right? Is that not right? Uh, yeah, it might have been the yard that the dogs were barking in. It might have been the – yeah, we see Actually. AP walking by. He's got the bucket on. He's ready to go Old for training bucket. camp. Yeah, that's Old like – Old school bucket. That's like three years ago. It is. Easy. Is that pre-COVID? Easy. That might, yeah. I think that's a 29th. That's got 2019 written all over it, if I you think ask me. So. Uh, so that's where we are here, out here at the training camp, going through it. 
Uh, we'll let you know what kind of drills we get into, but for now it's just position-specific drills, and now the quarterbacks are lined up with the running backs working on their handoffs and some of that outside zone stretch play that is a staple of the Browns' offense, and then that's what leads to a lot of that play-action game off of it. So going through just kind of from the foundations, the very bottoms here, building, laying those bricks right at the bottom so everybody can get better and, and kind of have that those fundamentals that will be critical to kind of evolving this offense as the install continues to go on for the Cleveland Browns. And so we're working on our get-offs, catching the ball out here with the receivers. And it's just fun to see. Football is back in the air. The only thing that's unusual is those guardian caps. But you know what? I'm all for the safety. We want everybody that's on the field right now to have an opportunity to make this team because they stay healthy and certainly protect their heads. So that's important stuff there. All right, when we come back, Ian Rappaport should be joining us here on set for Cleveland Browns Daily with the latest on Deshaun Watson and really anything and everything that's going on around the National Football League. That'll be coming up next here live from Browns Training Camp at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. It's Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumkey Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated company. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become a part of the family. Visit www.rumkey.com to learn more. Live from Browns Training Camp, we are fieldside at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea for Cleveland Browns Daily and very happy now to be joined by NFL Insider from NFL Network, NFL.com. The NFL, basically. Ian Rappaport, and i uh, happy to have you here. Welcome to Cleveland. Obviously, there is one question that I must start with asking you, and that is, how much fun do you have going on the Pat McAfee show? It seems like <laughs> a really good time for you guys and, and that you guys really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Pat, and I love his band of idiots. Um, it is legitimately fun. And, you know, they ask me a lot. I'm happy to go on whenever um, because it really is just like hanging out with my buddies. Um, and that's one cool thing. And then I visited them when I was in India, and it felt like that. So um, I legitimately enjoy it. Those guys are great. Yeah, it seems like you have a great time. And even when they, like buddies, do bust each other's chops, they're trying to say that you got dunked on. And you're like, you weren't even having it. That's what I, that was yeah, my favorite no, part about was, You were not having it at all. And well, they were trying to really sell it. And you're like, nah, nah I'm and good. That's, and that's really one of the things you, you learn to do when you go on a show like that is, like, they'll ask all sorts of crazy things. You sort of learn to, like, I will let this play out and not react and not go viral and saying something dumb, which is really my goal in life anyway. Yeah, sure, sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, after the little swerve there, latest on the Deshaun Watson situation, that's obviously on the top of everybody's mind. It's kind of surreal, honestly, to be sitting here watching training camp unfold for the Browns and, and to not have that answer. It was something that I think maybe we just made up in our minds it would have happened by this point or it yeah, felt I like think it so. would. Yeah, so it was interesting because, like, you know, you read all the reports and you talk to people and everyone says, well, you know, I w- yeah, I would expect it before training camp. Oh, yeah, I would definitely expect it before training camp. And then you really think about it and it's like, why? Like, Judge Sue Robinson doesn't really care about a bunch of practices in July. Like, why would she, right? She's a judge. Like, right. She's not like, oh, well, I want to make sure that – you know, Jacoby Brissett gets this many reps. Like, she wouldn't care about that. Why would she? <laughs> the only people who care about that is us or the Browns. Sure. Um, who, you know, I'm sure would love to some certainty. But, like, you know, I think most people expect him to be suspended in some form to not be on the field to start the season. So whether it's 6 or 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever it is, like, probably not going to be there when the season starts. So it's not like the Browns need to know that much more. Right. So 
We'll all just wait. I mean, I would expect it to be somewhat shortly, but again, like, it's a, you know, federal judge who doesn't necessarily care, like, uh, when I would prefer that she comes out with this ruling. Yeah, certainly. She doesn't care what I think either, and, I, and it's one of those situations. And answer this for us, because you would be, I would imagine, as plugged in as anybody. Is this a situation where, because we've seen people say, oh, it was going to be, you know, maybe even a year, and then it's now it's going to be from the, you know, zero to eight range. And this, does yeah. anybody know? Only Soon Robinson knows, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's wrong. Um, everybody's wrong. And it's been like that for months. Um, you know, she knows. Um, does Deshaun and the Browns know? Like, I don't think so. I don't does think so. Does the NFLPA know? I don't think so. Um, she'll come out with a ruling. You know, if it's something that both sides are okay with, then it will end. And that will be that. Um, if it's not, then the NFL or, you know, Deshaun Watson's people, the NFLPA, his lawyers will appeal. Um, otherwise, like we're just waiting and, you know, I see all the reports, you know, I was, I was on, uh, actually local radio here and someone's like, well, you know, it seems to be trending this way. I'm like, based on what? Nobody knows anything. Right. And, and that's, right, right. and one of the great and most freeing things about reporting and doing what I do and what so many other good reporters do is it is okay to be like, I don't know. That is totally fine. Is this, in terms of a massive NFL story, is this the most, like, in the vault you can remember one being, where literally nobody has any idea? Um, I mean, I, I would say the atmosphere we're in now where people feel, and me too, included, by the way, people feel pressure to come out with something, no matter what it is, like, I think that has probably affected plenty of things. There's been a lot of stories that have been lingering and lingering and lingering, and a lot of them stay quiet or secret or whatever it is this one i think what makes it different here is everyone felt like they needed to come out and say something so somebody's going to end up being randomly right sure because somebody will everything's been covered yeah right right but like i just don't think it helps the discourse or really anyone um, for someone to be like yeah i'm just going to put something out there and we'll see what happens i do think she could swerve everybody if it ends up being an odd number i've only heard even numbers ever be discussed as a possible outcome isn't that interesting yeah, I mean, that would be, yes, that that would be the one curveball. Like, you know what? <laughs> Seven games. All right. That's pretty right. weird. But that's the one thing that I haven't heard anybody go with an odd number yet. It's been all even, which I don't well, even know why we play well, an odd number of games in the season. At least we're all on the same page with our bad guesses. Exactly. Obviously, that's the biggest story facing the Browns. We know that. But there's a lot to talk about with this football team beyond just the quarterback. Sure. Very good roster. I know you spent some time earlier with our head coach, Kevin Stefanski. What what kind of struck you about your conversation with, with Coach Stefanski? Yeah, I mean, it, I do think it's a good roster. And I think when, when those guys got here and you're kind of building this up and trying to get to the playoffs, which obviously they did with a quarterback by the name of Baker Mayfield, who's sure. not on the field in front of me right now. No. Um, this looks like a sort of maturing team. Uh, and, and I don't mean older. I mean, like, you know, they get a bunch of free agents, sign some guys, make some trades, kind of toss it all together at the beginning. And now it's like, all right, let's let our draft picks grow a little bit. And some of them have grown. You know, the Denzel Wards of the world sure. have grown and become truly great players. You know, it's like, what can you get from JOK and what can you get from Delpit? And, like, you know, those sort of guys, like, how much can you lean on those guys as part of, like, the emerging core? And that's really good. That's what you want. Because, like, free agency is fun, and I love it, and, like, it's crazy, and you don't want to build like that. You don't you want to be able That's sustainable. To. And that's why, like, you know, I mean, I know, you know, getting someone like Deshaun sort of is in free agency. Like, it's sort of the same thing, but 
if you have a quarterback, it lets you really grow and do it the right way because he's so good that you can let guys kind of take your time and, and grow properly. What did you make of Kevin Stefanski going into year three? And I don't know if you guys kind of talked about his perspective on things at all, but, you know, you come in that first year, you mentioned we go to the playoffs. He wins the NFL Coach of the Year. Last year doesn't go nearly the way that I think anybody wanted it to for the Browns for a variety of reasons. And now a new fresh start at the quarterback position, whether it is Deshaun game one or whether it is Jacoby Brissett game one. But a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of continuity. The entire staff is backed intact. Mm -hmm. What do you kind of envision for, for Coach Stefanski for here in year three? I mean, I would I would envision more of the same. I mean, last year, like I, you know, I felt like I weirdly became like a Baker defender, um, but only because the sort of discourse was so and the criticism was so loud, and I'm trying to understand why. Because like last year, and look, Baker's going to be fine. Like may end up as a starting quarterback of the Panthers. We'll see. But like, you know, if he has surgery after year two, he's on this team now probably, and didn't get any of the negative stuff. But he plays through it and tries too hard and ends up kind of playing bad and and the whole season goes down with him even though they still kind of had a chance at the end but like I'm just I'm trying to understand kind of how that all happened so I mean I think they're probably in the same position now as they were last year to start the year except with a better quarterback who probably will play fewer games um and I think they should be good and I think you know Kevin Stefanski was really good as a first year coach was pretty good last year just didn't go great and should be good this year Ian, I'm shocked as somebody who is quite popular on Twitter, at Rap Sheet, of course, that you would think there can be reasonable discourse in our society today, that well, people can have actual conversations that make sense. See, I wouldn't know, because I am on Twitter, obviously, and I follow and all that, but I don't read my mentions, so I do not Sorry. hear the... One of the great pieces of advice I ever gave my good friend Mike Garofolo was do not read your mentions. There's literally nothing in there that will make you feel good about anything, nor do you need to know ever. I think that you're and exa- it is a freeing, great <laughs> right. realization that literally none of the comments after any tweets matter one bit. I think it is, it, it's amazing to me, and, and your point, look, Baker Mayfield took this team to the playoffs. Baker Mayfield helped kind of turn this franchise around, and I think everybody would be silly to not remember the good that he brought this right. organization. And at the same time, it can also be true that the Browns felt they needed to upgrade the quarterback position. All of it can be true, right. and unfortunately, those aren't the kind of discussions that people are capable, it feels like, having in, in normal normal society anymore. Right, and, like, you know, obviously Baker reacted to the – Deshaun news, the Deshaun pursuit, the way he did, and then sure. he did end up getting traded, and again, may end up being a starting quarterback, although I had to take a little pay cut to do it. But I didn't, you know, Andrew Barry's a pretty upfront dude. Like, yeah. it sounded to me like he was pretty honest with Baker and his people about what was coming. Yep. Like, it's okay to be like, you are really good. You are a top half of the league starter. This is just a generational talent that we're going to try to go get. Like, that's okay. And, and I know he took it the way he did, but it's fine to be like, you're awesome, we really like you, we have to trade for this guy. I think that's exactly right. You said it perfectly. Talking with Ian Rapport from NFL Network. I want to get you out of here on this one. We talked a lot about the Browns, but it's interesting talking about quarterbacks and how they feel about things. And, and we see, saw what happened down in Arizona, but the one that affects the Browns the most, obviously, is Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, the guy, mm-hmm. MVP of the league, one of the supreme talents and one of the supreme quarterbacks in the game today, and yet they still have not been able to, for whatever reason, get that extension done. Is that close? What do you make of that situation? I mean, I haven't really sensed that there's much of anything to talk about, uh, which is, you know, crazy because we talk about it all the time on the network, uh, and a lot of people do. Um, 
It's just until I learn that he is really willing to engage them, until I learn that he um, is willing to negotiate, then I'm not sure what there is to say. Like, are they close? Like, no, I don't think they're anywhere. I mean, unless there's, you know, there's always a possibility that things are going on that we just don't know about. That can happen. Um, I just have not heard myself that he's willing to do anything. So, you know, might he end up playing it out? Like, he might. And it's a risk. Um, he's going to make a lot of money. He's, no but not, not as much money. I mean, he'll make two, you know, if he does this, he'll make the fifth-year option and two franchise tags. Um, and then has the possibility to have the greatest contract in NFL history. It's wild stuff. And uh, by the way, it never stops. The news machine never stops. And Ian, thank yep. you for keeping us plugged in on that one and looking forward to the day when you can tell us the news. Whatever it is at this point, I'm ready. Yes, just, no, I, I just will. give yes. us the news. I will also look forward to that. That would be nice. <laughs> From Judge Sue Robinson, the great Ian Rapport. Thanks for stopping by. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll be back. So much more to come here as we wrap things up from day two of Cleveland Browns training camp live at the Cross Country Mortgage in Berea. It's Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily Live, Fieldside, Browns training camp day two. And so far today, everybody working on air. The offense on one field, the defense on another field. And we just saw Gibbe. Oh, baby. And I know it's on air. We can't get too excited. But this is all we get to deal with right now is things that are happening on air today, at least thus far in today's practice. The Browns were running through some of their passing drills, passing concepts, and Deshaun Watson threw a beautiful bomb down the field to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who made a catch around the sideline. Almost took out Baco Nation, as a matter of fact, after he caught it. A little bit of a, you know, just a little how to sidestep him there from Baco Nation. A beautiful in the bucket hat, but that was a beautiful ball. And I think when you hear Amari Cooper call him the magician, just his ability to make plays, his ability to make throws, that's why you get excited. You heard Warren Sharp say it as plainly as plain could be. He is unlike anything that we have had at quarterback. He is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and he closes this thing out saying if Deshaun Watson plays even the majority of the season, the Browns should be a top considered a top three team in the AFC, period. End of story. That's how good he is. And Deshaun Watson going through the red zone, hits Donovan Peoples-Jones there. Again, on I really kind of like that. On air. I, I like do that too. combination. Me too. Deshaun Watson, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Let's DW, go. DPJ. I like keep going with that. 4-11. The difference between 4-11 and 11 is 7. It's a oh. touchdown with an extra point. No big deal. Just saying. Clearly private school. That's right. That's right. So that's what's going on. Now, a little bit of news not as great. Anthony Schwartz, who we talked to earlier today, who I think is a big deal for what's going on here with the Cleveland Browns, pulled up uh, after with an apparent injury while running a route, obviously on air. That's what all of it is. He was talking to a member of the staff. They then walked him inside the building, and he has not returned to the field at this point. So we'll get an update, I'm sure, as that comes probably tomorrow, right? We're not talking after. Correct. So that will come tomorrow. But 
that's not not a great start for Schwartz because we need him on the field, and hopefully it's something very minor and he can be back. But I really think that Anthony Schwartz, as I said, is a very important piece of what the Browns are looking to do on this offense and that you know maybe it's an opportunity for a young guy like Isaiah Weston, who's 6'4", who runs, who averaged 24 yards a catch last year, but at certainly a much lower level of competition in northern Iowa. But we need somebody who can stretch the field. Amari Cooper is a premier route runner. Donovan Peoples-Jones, while he's averaged over 18 yards a catch for his career, is not like a burner per se. He has a knack for getting open deep and is a tremendous contested catch receiver on vertical balls. But we don't have that take the top off the defense guy. That is Anthony Schwartz. Now, Weston could do some of that. Jakeem Grant can do some of that. But you wonder, were this to be a situation where Anthony Schwartz would miss a considerable period of time, does that make the Browns decide, hey, we need to get a Will Fuller in here. We need a Deshaun Jackson, a T.Y. Hilton, who are the top three. Maybe there's somebody that they have their eye on uh, other than those three. But to bring in a veteran guy who can be a vertical threat because that is something that will be – critical to watch i'll tell you what there's donovan people's jones watson donovan people's jones back left corner of the end zone again a perfect ball that's right four plus seven is 11 but that uh that combination has been good again on air pump the brakes let's not go crazy here this is it should look good on acclamation it should look good on air and quite frankly it does but that's how it should be for this Cleveland Browns offense, and we'll see as situation progresses going forward here when we get into some teams periods, we get into some seven-on-sevens offense against defense, how that continues to play out for this football team. But right now what I would say to you is this is a very, very good start to this day because it is the good, it's the football, first kind of football stuff we've seen. It was really more of just a walk through the other day. Now we're seeing stuff, again, on air, but people are running around, and it looks good. It should. It should, laying the foundation once again and going now against a dummy defense here just to get some alignments, to get some looks. But what I'm seeing a lot of is Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones on the same side of the field. I like that. I like what I'm seeing there as we've got right now Deshaun Watson under center, and they're going through a little play action, a little boot, and he's able to stop, look, and look at that ball in the air right there. Get back beautiful to Amari Cooper. Just a – So pretty. Do you know what John Keats said? No. You ever see the I movie? might have slept through that. You ever see the movie White Man Can't Jump? Yes. Okay. Remember who quotes John Keats? A thing of beauty <sighs> is a joy forever. John Keats. John Keats. Terrible remembering movie lines. You, you know however, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good at that. That's one of my strengths. I have a lot of useless movie lines and, and musical lyrics from the, the 80s, Cliff Clavin. 90s. No, not Cliff Clavin because these are actual facts. Cliff Clavin it's a little-known fact. It turns out not to be true. That's my di- not. Pedro. I know a lot about nothing. Not Pedro is the Cliff Clavin of, of, of this program. Wow. Although he possesses a great deal of knowledge. He just says everything with such authority that even if it's not true, people often believe that it's true. There you go. Yeah, and that's what, that's what he does there. Nick Chubb bursting through the line right there. So, again, just kind of an easy day here in Getting Berea ready. today. An easy day here in Berea as the Browns kind of going through their paces, and it looks like, you know, the next step will be we do these things on air, and then we do these things against uh, the defense and kind of ramp that up as we get ready for Saturday's open training camp, the first open to the public, which will be the first full-speed practice. And we heard Kevin Stefanski earlier. So maybe if you paid attention to the scores, you may have gotten a little bit of a, a, a heads up on that. But the first day in pads will be next Tuesday, Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, Tuesday. For those wondering, Bootsy the Bold having the time of his life right now at the Greenbrier. Got a picture of him eyeballing a big ice cream sundae. His eyes are like bugging out of his head, so he is thrilled having a great time there. Shocker. 
Thank you to Ian Rappaport for stopping by. Thank you to Warren Sharp for stopping by and joining us today, and to Anthony Schwartz, wishing him a speedy recovery. Hopefully it's nothing serious. We'll have updates for you at cleanbrowns.com and the Browns mobile app. And big shout-out to you, Gibbe. Huge P today on display as you book a, a tremendous show here as we're rocking we're and working, rolling. We're working on the rest. We'll working get the live the stream going. It, yes. We're going to be in our home for the next couple of weeks, hopefully by tomorrow. Oh, and we're going to end with just a <laughs> bomb, Watson. Just a beautiful bomb to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, done. baby. We're done. The next level is next. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.